away we go with another edition of the Stampede Wrestling Show. Welcome, everybody. November 16, 2014, to Heartbeat Radio, brought to you on Powerhouse Radio tonight. I'm your guest host, Johnny Mantell, and uh, I got Bruce Hart on the other line with me. How are you, Bruce, tonight? I'm doing great, Johnny. Uh, uh, thanks for coming on board again tonight. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, tonight's show. We got a, one of the uh, legendary uh, workers from the uh, the Golden Age of Wrestling, uh, Don Fargo, on tonight. And uh, it's been a long time since I've spoke to Don, but uh, always one of those really colorful. Uh, you know, legendary characters, you know, sort of in the same realm as the Buddy Rogers and the Ray Stevens and that lot. So uh, I'm sure we got some fascinating stories and recollections from Dawn on, on tonight. I'm I'm really uh, looking forward to hooking up with him and hearing some of the uh, stories and some of his perspectives about the business then and now and all of that. So well, it should be I, fun. I think... I think a tag team like him and Jackie Fargo were, if they were reincarnated today in their in their late twenties, early thirties, they would be as over today as they were back then. Even though yeah, they were they were sort style. of cutting edge, and uh, that was uh, some of the things I'd love to hear from Don. Just uh, you know what uh, what he thought. Uh, made a good worker back then and and, a lot of those same, I I think uh, a lot of those same things apply today and have maybe been overlooked or forgotten and and, uh, I'd love to hear some of his stories about him and Jackie and uh, I know another of the guys that he partnered with up here in Calgary and at that time he was just getting his feet wet in the business was a guy named Greg Valentine who at the time uh, they were called the Fargos, and Greg was wrestling under the name of Johnny Fargo, and they had a pretty good little run up here in Calgary in the early 70s, and uh, so I'd love to hear some of Don's perspectives, because Greg went on to, you know, attain a pretty uh, high level of stardom in the WWE, you know, it was tag teaming later later with uh, Brutus Beefcake, and uh, so I'd love to hear some of Don's perspectives and maybe some of the advice he'd maybe uh, give to uh, guys coming into the business, you know, and you know some of those types of things. But well, I, but, I yeah. think we're going to get to that man because he's on the air with us. I'm going to introduce the Hall of Famer, Don Fargo. Don, how are you tonight? <laughs> Pretty good as can be. How are you doing? There? There? Yeah, good hearing from you. It's been a yeah, long time. Said, uh, yeah, it's been a yeah. long time. I uh, I was I was just sort of a young proverbial snot nosed punk back when <laughs> I, back when you were up here in the uh, the seventies there. But uh, you made a great impression on a lot of people. Uh, I, I know I spoke to Greg a few times. He always had extremely high regard for you and uh, credited you with a lot yeah. of. Uh, good advice and that type of thing and yeah you were one of those legendary characters there was a handful of i mentioned some of them like the the ray stevenses and the the buddy rogers and the johnny valentines and that lot and uh, yeah, they, 
they, they were back in my day, and and uh, uh, you know I I learned a lot from Buddy Rogers, and Ray Stevens was my partner, and and uh, I learned a lot from him, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> your credit you imparted a lot to some of the guys and Greg Greg Gillies uh, told me he uh he credited you with a lot of uh, great advice and you're a great mentor for him and uh which is sort of the way it should be you know but uh but yeah I I know my dad always had very high regard for you as well oh. Your dad, like, I could talk all day about your dad, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had I had the pleasure of meeting him in Columbus, Ohio, back in the fifties. Wow, that I goes way him. back. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Al, yeah. Al oh, he was he he was one of the ones that uh, hurt me. <laughs> yeah, and, I guess the you know, they got great pleasure out of that, you know. Well, uh, that was part of the. <laughs> Uh, Johnny and I were talking about that a while back. That was sort of part of the deal back in those days. It seemed like every, uh, oh, every yeah, they, territory they, they had a, an old shooter or two, you know, and you had to go yeah. kind of go through the Wilbur Needs or the Ruffy Silversteins or the yeah, you know. Well, uh, I, I had to I I had to go through them people that that hated people like me that come in. You know, the guys were in the thirties and forties. Uh, you know that that. That was their diehard business, which is was still mine, and uh, they didn't appreciate uh, guys like me with bodies getting into it too much, unless you had some. Well, that seems, you know, I, know my, I know my dad always that was just sort of like the, their favorite. You know, their uh, I remember my dad had a few bodybuilder types like old Sammy Berg and some of them up here, and uh, he he seemed to. Uh, Take extra delight. I remember later on he had old Wayne Coleman and Billy Graham up here back in the late '60s, early '70s, and he seemed to like to have those big uh, weightlifters and bodybuilder types. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I know why he liked them. He wanted to get them down there in the dungeon and stretch them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the first thing he said to me when I came up there. The first time I came up there. I rapped on the door and he answered the door and he, I was standing there in a tight shirt with my muscles hanging out like usual. I tried to show them off and uh, he said, oh, Colt, <laughs> he got some big arms there. I knew right away what he was talking about, you know, and I told him straight out, I told him straight out, I said, Stu, <laughs> I remember what you did to me back in the 50s, I ain't going downstairs with you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how a lot of those guys that came up the second time around, they sort of uh, knew the drills. So they, they would, uh, yeah, yeah of, man. Uh, they wouldn't kind of bite the bait or uh, kind of let him. Uh, Every, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know, see, uh, that's the trouble with today. You got these guys that know nothing about wrestling and they become a promoter. And then they buy a ring, and they get guys that know nothing about wrestling. And we have blind leading, and, and they make dumb, dumb, stupid things, and it makes me mad because me and all the people that have been in the business with me, we worked and wrestled hard to get where we were. You know, oh yeah, you, we had to have some kind of background. Oh yeah, and you, you guys used to, and my dad was like that too. They used to go to. 
you know, great lengths to protect the business, you know, it's unthinkable for guys like my dad and them to be smartening up marks and talking about it yeah. at work and and uh well I, my dad hated that he 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 never agreed with uh when the WWE uh and their infinite wisdom chose to uh you know start calling it entertainment or start acknowledging you know my dad my dad hated that and he 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 never thought there was any justifiable excuse. Yeah, no, well, that's, you know, that's when I come up with that. You know, I, I started to wear, uh, I didn't know how to register pain, so I wanted them to really hurt me. So they, of course, they enjoyed it. And, and I did too in a way because I was believable. And and uh, that's when I started yeah, going no, the hard way. I was going the hard way. I remember uh, there's guys like yourself and Johnny Ballantyne. I was told it was like that, and Buddy Rogers and guys like that. Yeah, you know, they uh, they dished out a few potatoes, and they invited. Uh, they didn't mind if somebody else gave them a stiff shot, you know, as long as it made the you know made the match look yeah. real. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's a big one of the many things that's wrong with the business today. You know, and uh, well, it's, it's too much. Uh, they shouldn't call it wrestling anymore because they don't wrestle. I don't see no holds. It's all that acrobat stuff. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, and, I remember and, back and, in the day that you know we used to call it high spots, but uh, yeah, I remember yeah. the old farts, uh, and you were probably one of them. Would tell the rookies, you know, if they were, if that's all they were doing was high spots. I remember yeah. the old veterans would uh, stretch their asses and, and tell them, uh, you know, uh, a high spot is only a high spot if it's done at the right time. If you're just doing all high spots and all that other, you know, then I may as well yeah. go watch a circus or, uh, you know, watch uh, some ballet dancers or some crap because uh, it's not wrestling, you know. And I think that's a big part of the problem today, uh, you know, uh, I've never been a big fan of the uh, scripting and all that crap, too. I remember oh, no. when I was breaking in, uh, if you ever went up to some of the veterans and started telling them a bunch of spots you wanted to do in the ring and all like that, <laughs> they yeah. would, you know, it cut me a bit of slack because I was a promoter's kid, but they always say, well, play it by ear, which was their way of saying, screw that, you know, we'll uh, yeah, do it my right. way. But, uh, but yeah. Well, well, you know, like today, they all dress in one dress. room. we used to have separate dressing rooms, we didn't see each other, and we didn't know what was going on, but we knew it's uh, play it by ear. And, uh, oh yeah, we were so, we were so damn good at it, but we could do it. And uh, you know, I I I play it by ear. I had uh, I had sixteen different gimmicks, different uh, yeah. names, and uh, and it got away with every one of them. And, yeah, uh, and it, 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 you, you had to understand how to work in order to do that. Yeah, I remember exactly yeah. like you're saying. A lot of times, I know when I went to Japan and places like that, uh, most times you'd never even meet the guy you're working with till you saw him in the ring, you know, and you go in and that's uh, right. it, it was pretty much all improv. You had to uh, go out and uh, yeah. a big part of it was making it look like it was a shoot, you know, and you uh, yeah. You know, yeah. And you know something else? Is, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. You didn't mind uh, <laughs> <feel> like <laughs> you didn't mind taking a potato or getting a you know a, a stiff chop or a stiff kick or whatever if it if it oh, made no, it look real. <laughs> yeah, and it was just yeah. part of it, you know. Uh, these days, uh, you know, I'm told a lot of the guys in the WWF if somebody uh, accidentally hits them, they're uh, ready to sue or, or they're. You know, <laughs> yeah. ready to, to hey, walk out. I tell you something. I tell you something else. I've been going so many shows around here <laughs> to sell my book and stuff. You know, and yeah, uh, I go in there and, and the dressing room. Here comes these clowns in. The first thing they know, want to know, is where, who do we give our uh, DVD to? The music, you know, and then and then they go out and they set up a table. And they sell. It looks like a, a circus in there. They're selling stuff. They got their music and all that crap going on. And they're more worried about that than they are going out there and giving the people what they paid to see. That's, yeah, half the time, think. half the time on those indie shows, I see the guys coming in together that are working with each other, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I'm kind of like, uh, and the marks <laughs> are they're almost so jaded or oblivious, you know, and. Uh, yeah, I always hear. I always hear the marks. I see really. Yeah, I see something really up. good. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it, man. I went to one of these matches, and there were two guys sitting out there in the audience with their masks on. They were a masked tag team watching the matches. <laughs> yeah, like so, and sometimes like, the matches are going on like, uh, like. Uh, <clears throat> a good friend of mine, uh, Dennis Gill, you ever heard of him? Yeah. Okay, me and him, we're trying to... We, he he holds shows, and I give him some advice, but he's, he's, he's been in the business a long time, and he's old school, and we're trying to get together uh, these certain guys, which I'm training, to bring back the old school wrestling, where you go in there and give them a story and then wrestle, you know, get some wrestling in the damn thing, you know what I mean? And no, yeah. no music. We didn't have music back in our day, and and no, no selling stuff at the tables. No, there was none of the we bells and whistles back then. You know, uh, in fact, if you if you were a rookie back then and you uh, you know wore a costume without maybe the veterans, uh, you know, kind of endorsing it, or you uh, you wanted entrance music, or you, uh, I remember back in the day if. If you're a rookie and you're doing more than one or two high spots, uh, you know, usually the old farts in the dressing room would call you out and tell you you're in the effing uh, opening match. You're not supposed to do high spots, you know, you, uh, save it for the main event, you know. And, and yeah. in those days, most most of the uh, guys in the main events want mince words with you either, you know, they'd... Uh, call you out some of those old farts like the stomper and uh and some of them you know yeah they they would throw their boots against the wall and tell my dad they're leaving because the rookies uh already did a disease of high spots and there's nothing left for them to do type thing you know <laughs> that's right that's right especially, especially when someone's got a finishing hold and somebody else will go out there and use it before you use it in your own match and that that's no good oh. We used to be grounds for getting your ass kicked if if you use oh. somebody else's high spot or if you, I, you know you know, know what I wish I, I I wish some of these guys I, like uh, Ruffy Silverstein, your dad, Big Bill Miller, and 
many more of them good old shooters we used to have. Oh, yeah, so some of these guys. Mike D- oh, Mike man. Mike DiBiase's. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, DiBiase, yeah. Even Leroy McGurk, as blind as he was, he'd get a hold of you. <laughs> and the worst of all was Danny Hodge. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember my dad told me when he was breaking in in New York in the 40s there with Toots Monton and them, uh, he said if you did any, uh, <laughs> you know, crossed any of the lines there, uh, you know, Toots, and they always had a few policemen, and they would, uh, they weren't the least bit diplomatic. My dad said they, they, they'd, uh, you know, punch against the wall and, uh, you know, a lot of times slap you around and like, you know, yeah. bring you, look, you know, look, look what Lou Fez did. You know, Lou Fez would go in the ring and, and he'd chest right out. He'd slap you across the face. Oh, yeah. It was like that everywhere. I know when I went to England in the 70s, they had a few old shooters over there, like the Billy Robinson types. And same yeah. same over there. Uh, my dad told me the Japs were like that, you know, the Ricky Dozans, and they had a few policemen and, uh, they're always half shooting. He said most of the matches, they, they you know, uh, see if you had any metal, you know, they half stretch you. And, and if you didn't uh, kind of come back on them, they would kind of chew you up and spit you out. But everyone was sort of testing everyone back then. And, uh, you know, if, if you didn't kind of meet the test, you know, you didn't last too long in the business, you know. It was, uh, not too many guys got by without... Uh, Having to go through the uh, the ringer, as my dad used to call it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, well, hey, Donna, well, you... I know we're gonna we're we're gonna get to your book here in a little bit, but you know, Bruce and I always talk about the character of the guys that was from you know that that air, probably that air before Bruce and I got started in the business. So, where did you get your start, and and who started you? Who was the first to start you on this road? <laughs> well, I you know I. I, I I didn't, you know, first of all, I didn't go to school once early. I didn't hardly go to school. Uh, so they had what they called boys clubs. I went to the boys clubs and got in the wrestling teams there. And then somebody told me about the YMCA. I did that wrestling there. And then uh, Mr. Pittsburgh came along. I got in a contest there, and I won Mr. Pittsburgh. And then this guy by the name of Alex Bentley <clears throat> called me up. I thought he was a big rib, you know. And uh, I was making $35 a week in the steel mills and he told me he could get me a contract for $50 a week if I wanted to become a professional wrestler. And uh, I I told him, yes, I do, you know. And uh, he got me connected with Al Half. And, <clears throat> and that's when I got started back in uh, 51, I think, 50, something like that. And, uh, Who was that? Uh, he was out of Columbus? He, yeah, Columbus, Ohio. He yeah, had he was pretty... Uh, he, oh, he yeah, he was powerful. Old, old promoter. Yeah, he... He had people like uh, Professor Roy Shires, Buddy Rogers, the great Scott, uh, Willie Darnell, Ruffy Silverstein. Yeah, my dad told me that Ruffy was like the uh, one of the policemen for Al Haft. Uh, yeah, he sure uh, was. Uh, so was Joe Scarpello. Yeah, Joe, I remember Joe those. Joe Scarpello things. was a little, a little tiny guy, and uh, uh, he was he was <clears throat> actually he was the only guy. That uh, didn't hurt me. He treated me pretty good, and uh, I, they didn't, you know, they didn't smarten you up, not at all. 
and uh, Lee Denary Shane's the one that really got to helping me a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember him or not. Yeah, he was. Uh, I heard a great worker, Larry. He got killed yeah, in a car yeah, he wreck. Was. And, then, and, then, and then a guy by the name. I, uh, when, when this guy did this, I never. Uh, some of the old timers never seen it because we was there standing around the ring watching it. And this guy by the name of Malvin Mercer. He came in and demonstrated a drop kick. And all the old timers off what they have bullshit, man, you know. <laughs> but he he did it and uh that's first I remember my that. my dad told me back in the day a drop kick one drop kick was a finish like Argentina Rock or yeah. Monte or well, yeah. guys. Because I mean, <laughs> that Marvin Mercer when he drop kicks you he hit you right on the forehead. I mean he plum hits you boy. <laughs> it wasn't that many they guys. Call him, they, they, they call him Dropkick Malvin Mercer. I'll never forget him. Yeah, I remember my dad used to tell me that uh, they call all those things that later on became like high spots. My dad told me yeah. they were like, uh, you know, uh, automatic finishes. He, my dad said if he did a sunset flip back in the, the 50s, uh, you know, it was always a finish. It wasn't like. Uh, Nowadays, uh, nobody gets pinned with the sun sunset, you know, or if you did a drop kick or you did a, you know, anything off the top, it was always uh, a finish. Well, yeah. Instead, if you did like a pile driver, it was always a stretcher job. Nobody, nobody kicked out or nobody uh, moved right. after that. A lot of us got carried out on stretchers. A lot of us yeah. got carried out on stretchers. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the. Uh, Pile driver, that that was a that was a good move and it looked great, you know. But you know, easy, guys you know, that hurt from that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my dad told me nobody, and if anyone did kick out or get up from a pile driver, they would get oh. chewed out in the dressing room. You know, like you just. I'll tell you what. Out. I'll tell you what. If you got a suplex, you better not get up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah I'll tell you something else these guys don't know. We had some rings back in them days that were hard, brother. I mean, they were oh, like yeah, concrete. They, yeah, they were like concrete, boy, I'll tell you. And uh, especially the one Al Half had, we, I trained in. That thing was like, oh, man, it had all it had was padding, but it had no nothing, boy, just boom, solid. Yeah, they didn't have very good padding either. I saw some of the ones I remember were like just carpet underlay that bubbly rubber, you know. And uh, you know, uh, I remember you'd have to ride back 500 miles from a town, and you'd be yeah. after uh, after working in all those rings, and you'd be like dragging your ass. I, I was glad I was fairly young then because uh, I could withstand it. But some of the uh, old guys when they were up here, like Ronnie Etchison's and them, they'd be walking like uh you know they could barely uh get their asses out of the vehicle you know after uh, a yeah. long road trip and some of those stiff rings you know yeah well, you know I, 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 I was just i was just I, mad I, I heard from about go ahead go ahead don i was just gonna say i hurt to this day i mean i've had my uh, andre the giant stepped on my fingers and broke them <laughs> Uh, uh, Harley Race, but you know he broke my damn ankle. How <laughs> did old Harley do that? How how how'd Harley break your ankle, Don? 
Oh, well, he, he got in a hole, and he went one way, and I went the other. <laughs> and what was funny about it, I didn't know it was, uh, you know, fractured or broken like that. And and uh, we went Broadway, you know, and I had to drive back, so I packed it in an ice bag. They fixed my foot in an ice bag, and I drove with my left foot. <laughs> And when I got back there, I had to go to the hospital, and they told me I had a fractured ankle. I couldn't believe it, man. <laughs> the promoter probably asked if you could work the next night, though, you know, could you? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what they did for me. <laughs> I was in a cast, and uh, they they made me a manager. <laughs> That's when I was wrestling for Bob Gaggle and them. Probably paid you, told you you'd have to take a pay cut too. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, we can't, we can't get, pay you. You didn't get a boy's pay cut. <laughs> yeah, you got half half your wage tonight, but uh, you know, hope you get well soon, Connors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh good gosh. Hey, hey, I got I got holding on the line tonight. I got uh, the the gentleman that helped Don write his book. Uh, I'd like to bring him in from Tennessee, Scott Teal. How you doing tonight, Scott? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Good. Good. Nice to have you on, Scott. Yeah, thank thanks you for coming on. Yeah, uh, give thanks us some. Uh, yeah, give us some uh, perspective on the book. Uh, when, uh, is it already hit the? Uh, is, is it already on sale, or is it uh, just about oh, to yeah. put on? Uh, sure. Before I get into that, can I? Uh, would you mind me reading a list? Yes, yeah, sure. anything I have you a want to do. Yeah, I have a list here of all the lies Don Fargo has already told in the first twenty-five minutes of the program. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still got more. I, I got guys calling me up and read my book and say, "Hey, you didn't put that in, Fargo." <laughs> and, I, and I spent yesterday with uh, Honky Tonk Man, and he told me all kinds of stories I forgot about. <laughs> cool. I, for, I forgot all the stuff I did, really. <laughs> we remembered a lot of them, though. We we got a lot in that book that uh, stuff we sort of, between the two of us, we sort of remembered a lot of it and uh, yeah. got it down on paper. Some of the stuff is we probably shouldn't put in there, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was, it, oh, it's really it's a great it's a great read. It's it's funny. Don has so many great funny stories to tell, and I'm so glad we got them put down on paper and uh, for, for you know for the future because uh, these guys. Not saying Don's going anywhere, but these guys are passing away all too quickly, and uh, you know it's just uh, unfortunately some of them we just haven't been able to get their story before they're gone, and that's a sad thing uh, considering you know what they gave to the to the the fans of wrestling and all the entertainment they gave the people of those years. Uh, your father oh, yeah. is one that I wish oh, yes. written a book with. You know, he really—I'm sure he had a ton of things to tell, and I'm so sad that we never really got a lot of the stories down before he passed. Yeah, Stu was uh, like probably like a lot of those guys. Uh, they were always kind of uh, kayfabing or trying to protect the business, so they didn't want to. Uh, Mm-hmm. open up or they didn't want to give anyone any in, inside stuff on the business yeah. being a work or I remember my dad apparently partook in more than a few ribs in his day but he was always kind <laughs> of uh, 
you know, <laughs> re- reluctant to admit that he orchestrated a Mabel party or that he was, you know, kind of, uh, you know, behind some of the other. Uh, that that was a big part of the uh, business back in the day. Uh, Don, I'm sure Don could tell you, but uh, absolutely. My dad told me every territory there was a few guys that were pulling ribs, or there was some kind of uh, mischief and whatever the hell going on on the road, and it was sort of well, there, it made there, the was road rib, trip. there was ribs twenty four seven, ribs all the yeah. time, man. And uh, Don was like one of the legendary rivers I heard, you know. And it was like my dad. My dad used to speak in kind of reverential terms of Don and Johnny Valentine and Buddy Rogers and uh, even Old Harley and a few of those guys that were, you know, uh, always, always some kind of Ted Christie was another one. There's always some kind of uh, some kind of shit going on on the road, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, they almost had to do those things to keep their sanity all the years, you know, all the time on the road they spent and, uh, you know, just something to pass the time, you know. It's just Oh, yeah. My dad told me they used to go to, uh, you know, get pretty intricate with some of the ribs and the, uh, I know when they did the Mabel parties, you know, uh, some of them, <laughs> some of them went, didn't go as planned, you know, and there, there was guys uh, wanting to kill people and stuff like yeah. that. They got me good, but you got to read the book to, to read about it. They got me a good Mabel boy. <laughs> Don, there's a lot. There's a ton of stories in your book. Go ahead and tell that one. That's a great story. Well, you know, okay, well, well, let, let, me, let, let me just sneak in real quick and, and just ask Scott something. Scott, I know you've been a big part of a lot of books and documenting the past, and 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 Bruce and I talk about this all the time, the quality of guys that, came from the past that really passed this business on to the next generation and of course Don and Stu and those guys all being those kind of guys what uh, uh, what was it about that era and that group of men that was that made them that group because you, as you tell these stories and as Don's going to tell a story here in a little bit and you get his book and, and you read about the stories and stuff about being on the road and how candid Don were we're not going to ever see that generation of wrestlers again unless something yeah. changes in the business. We're never going to see it again. So what was it about that era? You've written a, new, a number of books and with guys from that era. What was it about that group of guys? Was it the kayfabe? Was it the toughness in the ring? What was it about that group of guys? I just think it was the fact that they were all on the road together. Uh, they were, you know, They had no time when they're in the cars. They didn't have anything to do for, you know, three, two to three, four hours every single day. All they had time to do was think up things to do, you know. You know, I'm sure they sit in the back or in the car thinking, you know, we get to the so-and-so arena, we ought to do this to so-and-so or do that to so-and-so. And I mean, just when, when you've got idle time, what they say, uh, the devil's workshop is idle time or something like that. <laughs> so I think that fits the business very well you know the guys in the car they just have nothing to do but sit there and think of uh, ribs to pull and things to do i remember when you'd ride in the cars back in the day if you had had a lousy match or you were dragging your ass or you weren't busting your ass in the ring uh and you, you had to get back in the van or whatever and ride back these veterans would uh they'd be all over you and in its own way it, it kind of uh Made you know, uh, made you become a better worker because if you were dogging it or you were 
spending more time trying to chase ring rats or, or whatever the hell uh, you get some of these old hard asses, uh, and they'd be on your case all the way back to whatever the you know the next town or whatever. And uh, in the, I think uh, that Johnny and I discussed that on previous show. That's one of the things that's missing in the business these days too. Is you know used to get schooled a lot in those. Uh, car rides you know you'd come be coming back 500 miles or whatever from some town and uh you'd have these guys some sometimes they'd be helping you other times they'd be on your ass for uh your attitude or doing too many high spots or not kayfabing or being more concerned about whether you did a job or whatever than all that but i remember the peer pressure was a huge factor in uh you know, kind of uh, keeping guys from getting big egos and uh, keeping them grounded, you know. And uh, I'm sure Don would tell you the same. You know, you'd have some of those old shooters like Gordienko and Lindsay and uh, some of those old farts. And if you got on the wrong side of them, they'd be, uh, you know, uh, pretty intimidating. You know, you want you don't want to, you know, cross them or piss them off type thing, you know. And it's all part of it. too you know they got a lot of crap from a lot of the veterans but at the same time they learned a lot that's a, one of the things i think is missing in wrestling today the guys don't have that time in the cars that the guys used to and uh you know when don, say don would have a match early in his career and he'd go you know he'd ride home with buddy rogers well buddy would be telling him all the things you know you should you should try this or you should try that i like what you did here don but why don't you try to do it this way? I and mean, there's so much they learned in the cars back in those days, and they just don't have it. Uh, have that now? No, I think at some point they need to uh, go back to the drawing board and maybe uh, try to find out ways to uh, reintroduce that. It's, I've said it before, but one of the biggest problems I see with the business these days is there's no script, uh, there's no improv, everything's scripted, you know, you got uh, guys uh, giving you uh, kind of a, a manual before you go off to the ring if you're in WWE and, you know, two of these and one of those and you do this and I do that and uh, it's nothing spontaneous and I don't know how the hell the mark, you know, I remember back in the day and Don and I were mentioning that before, but if you came up to some veteran and uh, told them about these high spots, you wanted, if you were a rookie, you know, I want to do three of those and two of those. And, you know, most cases they tell you to shove it or, you know, if, uh, if you're like the promoter's kid or whatever, like I was, you know, they'd say, we'll play it by ear, which was their way of uh, saying, screw that, you know, or not. Yeah, I don't want to do a bunch of. They don't, they don't have enough knowledge to play it by ear. That's the trouble. They can't read the other man's body. You know, I'm yep. talking about they they can't read it. And, uh, yep. We didn't have that problem. If someone was reaching their arm out to grab me, well, I knew what he. I knew what exactly what to do. Or he come at me with his head down. I knew what to do. You know, yeah, a big I, part of the uh, improv, if you're doing it spontaneous, is you get the crowd into it because they start figuring their cheering or their booing or whatever has got something to do with it but these days when i see it scripted so much uh the crowd after a while starts realizing that it doesn't matter whether they cheer or boo or whatever 
It has nothing yeah. to do with what's going on. Well, when, I, when I walked out the dressing room door, I had no music. I just walked out the dressing room door as soon as I got out there and I announced my name. The people went crazy. Boo, boo, you know, they're screaming, hollering, throwing paper cups and everything at me. I ain't done nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, get, I get in the ring, and I go walk around the ring and, and mess around with the, my opponent for five, six minutes without even getting a hold and get the people mad. Oh, yeah, no, that was a big part of it. Like, uh, my dad used to refer to all the scripting and all this artificial insemination, and yeah. my dad said he never had any nobody ever had an orgasm when they were getting artificially inseminated. <laughs> ah, I love that. That's oh, classic. Well you're telling the truth there, bro. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh my gosh. Some of the uh some of today's superstars I I think maybe they need to have that lesson taught to them, you know, or they they need somebody to, at the very least to uh, point out those things, you know. And I'm 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 surprised the odd time I've been down there in WWE, uh, you know, the kind of stuff we're talking about right now is almost oblivious. They don't even, you know, they don't know what the hell you're even talking about. They think that you're maybe living in the past, or if you mention old school, they think it. Uh, refers to uh, wearing wool tights and six-inch black boots and all that kind of stuff. They don't even know what you're uh, referring to, you know, which is too damn bad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the hell one I ring now, huh? Go ahead. You go ahead. I guess they go, ring, they go in the ring now, these, uh, these clowns around here, they wear T-shirts and long Levi's and stuff like that. Because they're hiding their bodies, you know, and then they some of them wear tennis shoes and stuff in the ring. And, oh yeah, you know, it, 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 it's embarrassing. I, sometimes, you know, it, 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 I'm sound like your dad now. If 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 if, if, if I didn't have these pins, if I didn't have these metal pins in my legs when I'm watching the matches, actually, I, I just want to get up and get, just get up in the ring. I can't move. <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing is, half the guys in the WWE don't wear, uh, like, back in the day, uh, virtually everyone wore the standard boots and tights, you know, maybe different color or whatever, but uh, you never see anyone back in the day, unless they were Haystacks Calhoun or some bullshit, wearing, uh, yeah. you know, coveralls well, and jeans yeah, and running when I was a, When I was a Dalton Brothers, uh, we wore them skin-tight Levi's and had cowboy boots with wrestling soles put on and... That we was that, part that, of the, that, that, that was our gimmick. Yeah, yeah but uh, these days, you know, half the guys in the WWF are wearing, uh, you know, sweatpants and uh, you know, costumes and gimmick outfits. And <laughs> I'm surprised Vinny doesn't or Hunter or whoever, uh, you know, you know, yeah. do something about well, it. But uh, I don't, I don't know what the hell anyone want to get started on all that. <laughs> <laughs> what it is, what it is, as long as I got, as long as I got a good VD and a pair of shiny wrestling boots and a real fancy outfit, they're a wrestler. <laughs> That's yeah. They don't, they yeah. don't know how to wrestle a lick. <laughs> oh, it's funny you get to any of those indie shows, Don, or whatever. Uh, get these guys who don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch, but, you know, <laughs> they all have the gimmick haircuts and they got a valet. Yeah. 
fake boobs and they got uh you know the uh entrance music and they got the costumes and crap but uh you know most of them have no idea about working but that that's almost of no consequence you know they got all the other crap you know and uh yeah but well, we we had them in our day but they but they were <laughs> gorgeous George but he was actually a, a a shooter a pistol man you know that he could he could go and uh, he was very colorful. He's the one that brought the color into everything. And then Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, and then the great Scott, and then Jack Pepper, yeah. of course. <laughs> Jack Pepper, he brought everything in with him. <laughs> That's what my dad told me. Like uh, He said a lot of guys didn't seem to realize it, but he said guys like Gordon George, Buddy Rogers, and Johnny Valentine, and guys like that were great workers. They weren't just... Yeah, you know, guys wearing uh dyeing their hair or uh you know, uh pretending to be something. He said they're all pretty yeah. uh you know, uh top Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Valentine was the best. He could just walk out of their dressing room and just stop and they people and they want to kill him. And he could yeah. get in the ring and just stare at the people and not even do anything. And then when he yeah, put man. that big hammer on you he put that big hammer on you and that that was a little stiff. <laughs> I remember my dad, and he he's you know uh, you were considered in that same category, but with guys like uh, Rogers and Valentine, and yeah, they just work a halt, and they you know uh, they didn't give a damn whether the crowd was going boring or anything. They just stayed, you know, and uh, and after a while, the crowd would be eating out of their hands, and they'd build to this big climax, but. They, they would never just do high spots for the sake of doing high spots, and they weren't yeah. all over the ring with holds and all that. It was just very systematic and kind of built to this big climax, and uh, that was what working was like back in those days. And uh, yeah. uh, so many of the guys today have lost sight of it. You know, the first time some marks uh, goes boring or whatever, they start panicking and geez, we got to do a high spot or we got to, you know, uh, go out and fight on the floor. We got to pull a chair out from under the ring or we got to, you know, uh, do something, you know, and in the old days, you'd never see a Johnny Valentine or Buddy Rogers or yourself, uh, changing, uh, you know, panicking when, you know, the marks are, you know, you just stick with, uh, making it look like a fight and uh, let it uh, build, you know. And a lot of those guys today, I think they need uh, they need a lesson in, in that, you know. I, I'm not sure if they'll ever get it, but uh, it's something I think they need. I think the wrestling business has just changed so much. I don't, I, it's just never going to go back to what it was. And part of that is the fact that cable TV has just, ruin kayfabe i mean there's just no way they could you know, i hear people all the time do you think wrestling will ever go back to territories it it just never will you know the tv stations won't give away tv like they used to you know that they, they want you know big money for what you know because vince pays big money so they're they're used to that now i don't you know so i don't see them ever going back to you know the yeah, old style way it, it's always going to be entertainment Let's say the can of worms has been opened up. It's pretty hard to close it now. With you got the internet. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? Uh, not me. <laughs> I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna think that way because I, I'm. I, I'm gonna try. I mean, I ain't got a lot of money. I ain't got too much of anybody. I got 
guys that are going to try to help me, and I'm going to I'm going to run matches, and and it's going to be it's going to be like I went through Columbus, Ohio. That's what it's going to be like. And uh, yeah, I, I think, think I think the people will like. I mean, if someone's going to get their eye busted open. They're going to get their eye busted open. And uh, I, I I know guys that I'm training now will do it in a minute. I think it needs to. I think it needs to go back to that. You know, uh, I don't think anyone is going to get rich doing that. But if enough no. people are are starting to, but, uh, but there's guys you know, out there that got the heart. They want to do it. They just want to do it. I'm it around these guys, hey, I just want to do it. Help me, Fargo. Help me. You know, I want to do it. It's funny, uh, Don. My dad told me. Back in the day, uh, probably around the time when you were breaking into the business, but my dad told me back in the late 40s, early 50s, the, the Jack Pfeffers and all those guys, you know, uh, the business started going overboard on gimmicks and bullshit, and there was all yeah, kinds yeah. of ex, ex, exposés and uh, all this kind of stuff. And uh, my dad said, uh, you know, the business was kind of in a pretty rough state and then he said uh a bunch of the promoters himself included and the workers started uh you know saying we got to go back to uh square one here you know you got to reestablish wrestling and uh and it it took a while but they kind of did that you know and uh yeah i think the same thing needs to happen today i don't know that there's you know it's a lot of the things that you mentioned are a big impediment with the cable TV and just the uh, the smart mark uh, mentality and all like that. But I think the bottom line is the fans themselves, they actually want to indulge. That's the biggest reason I've always felt why this UFC and all MMA and all that stuff uh, yeah. got over. And I, I don't, I think it's as much of a work as wrestling myself. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know I, I know a guy down here has a school. He, he wrestled quite a bit before he did, he he wrestled before he did that, and he he runs a school with it and uh, he has matches like like we do with wrestling. You know. I know <laughs> my dad had. I know my dad had. Let me in and just say it's hard. You're listening to Heartbeat Radio and Scott. I I have to agree and disagree with you. I, I understand what you're saying about the TV. And I understand about the internet and the modern air and all that stuff's going on today, but I know when we go to indie shows here in the area, fans still walk up to me at the end of the night and would say, "God, we wish real wrestling would come back." God, we wish real wrestling yeah. would come back. And I, think I hear that all the time. I think for that reason, maybe not a major territory, or maybe not a. Uh, uh, world-beating territory or somebody that's going to challenge what Vince is doing now in all the big buildings. But I think there is a, is a place right now in the wrestling business for that kind of situation to start up and create stars of the future. They can't take anybody from the past. And then when I say the past, I'm talking about off-cast from Vince. They won't be able to take any of those guys, but they're going to take new young people and create stars of the future in a, in a smaller territory where the people do believe in what they're doing and they're not. Oh, yeah. No, no, in other words, it's going to go back to the day where, like Bruce I think was it saying, needs the, Jack, to. The, the Jack Pfeffers and the, and the, and the Don Fargos and the, and the Fritz Von, or, or the Johnny Valentines, those kind of guys, they'd go to the ring and the people started yelling boring, that'd make them sit in the middle of the ring that much longer. 
where today if that happens, they got to jump right up and get something in to try to change what the people are telling them what to do, where the wrestling of the past, the promotion and the wrestling told the people how to do. Well, that, and what to think that's about a, it. And I think that's going to come we're gonna, That's what we're going to try to do. We're going to... That's going to be the name of our thing. It's it's, it's going to be called retro wrestling, the hard way. Yeah, I think, we're, I think to, we're going to try to get sponsored by NWA. I think that any new promotion today, one of the things they need to be doing is going back to old school. The biggest mistake with all these indie promotions and stuff today—they're all yeah. trying to be a half-assed copy of Vince's crap. They're well, trying we, to be. Oh, and we yeah. got a nice little territory. We got a nice little territory down here. Mobile, Pensacola, Dothan, Alabama, Georgia. I mean, that, that's a little, I mean, hell, that, that's a little territory right there. And yeah. Yeah, I, I don't imagine any of, the, any of the boys are seeking a big guarantee or anything these days. It's a different no. level. <laughs> hey, hey, I see these guys wrestling for nothing. I mean, yeah, it's unbelievable. And that's, just, 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 just to be in the ring. That was I don't want to do something like that. <laughs> yeah, and it's got it's kind of gone back to that for the love of the sport. They got to kind of uh, do it because they want to do it, and it's like Johnny was saying. I think they they need to just go out there and and try to work and try not to be a you know a second coming of John Cena or trying to copy uh the rock or anything just go out there and uh be themselves and uh put in some time and uh hopefully uh learn a bit about ring psychology and how to work a crowd and well you hit right there ring psychology <clears throat> that's what it's all about and there's not enough of that out there anymore you know uh if you ask some of the stars in the wwe at ring psychology is they they say what? You know, what are you talking about? You know, uh, yeah. I just follow the script. You sure as hell can't, you can't get it watching TV wrestling matches, man. Oh man, oh man, oh man, it's terrible. <laughs> hey, hey, Scott. Let me. I got two questions for Scott Teal. Scott, this is Johnny Mantell. First off, how's the missus doing? And second off, give everybody the information on getting Dawn's book. Okay. Um, Angela's doing much better. She's uh, been doing her therapy. Uh, for those who don't know, she broke her shoulder two weeks before our uh, reunion that we have here every year, and we had to cancel that. And she actually separated the, the arm from the shoulder socket, and so she's been uh, head surgery, and she's doing much better now. She's doing therapy and has good days, and bad days with the therapy, but it's, she's gotten where she can use her arm. Some she can't lift it all the way up, but she's doing a whole lot better. And I appreciate you asking. As far as the book goes, uh, you can go get it at crowbarpress.com, and it's available now for twenty two ninety five. And uh, we, uh, you can just order it directly from the website using PayPal. Uh, you can also order it by mail if you want with cash, check, or money order. Uh, the book is filled with just great, great classic stories of, of Fargo, and I always have to tell everybody you're going to read some of these stories, and you're going to say. There's no way that happened. But I'm telling you, everything in that book actually happened. What's uh, the title of the book, Scott? It's called The Hard Way. Oh, that's and a good that, title. Yeah, because that's what Don did a lot of. He, he, you know, he was a believer in making things look realistic, and uh, 
instead of doing it the easy way that a lot of guys did, he did it the hard way. Uh, using where guys use their knuckles to bust him open. And, uh, yeah, he's sort of Johnny Valentine in that respect. And I, a lot of people say he got off on it, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a thin line between, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, <laughs> pleasure and pain or whatever. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's good. Uh, I'll uh, I'll definitely have to uh, check that out online or whatever. I, uh, I'd love to uh, check it out because, uh, you know, I when I was just breaking into the business, uh, I remember, as I said before, Don was up here and uh, he was like a great uh, mentor to uh, a lot of the guys who were up here back in those days, uh, including Greg Valentine. There was quite a few others that kind of, you know, uh, you know, had a lot of respect for him. He's considered like one of those uh, legendary old workers, like in the same vein as Valentine and Harley and uh, Ray Stevens and some of those guys. So, you know, he was held in high respect and I know my dad always uh, had very high regard for Don and admired him in and out of the ring he was sort of like one of those characters who uh, you know kind of added a lot of flavor to the business there's not enough of those types of guys in the business today you know that are like real genuine characters that uh, you know stories are told about and uh you know i remember back in the day on the of the territories everyone used to talk about and there was always names that came up and don's was always one of them you know guys like buddy rogers or johnny valentine or harley and terry funk some of those guys but uh those guys are still uh legends you know and, and don too you know so it's, it's kind of cool to uh just been, to, to you know i you know, when I first went up there to wrestle for your dad, he he, he uh, told me that uh, for me, it was in the wintertime, he told me to make sure I get a flashlight and some candles. Uh, <laughs> and I I thought he was ribbing me. But, it, I, you know, I asked somebody what it was about, and they said that the flashlights to stick out the window, motion for help, and the candles, you light them to keep warm. And I said, from what? He said, sometimes the snow comes down off of the mountains and hills and covers your car up. But to this day, I don't know if he was telling the truth or not, but oh. I got a flashlight and candles. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like 30, 40 below up here quite often. I know, I know. I like to see some of these guys. You know what? When we wrestled in them ice hockey places, and all they did oh, yeah. was put something down over the, over the ice, and it was cold and hell in there, man. I mean, we had to wear jackets, you know, the heck with the, the robes and stuff. We wore heavy jackets. And boy, when, you, when you took a bump in that cold arena, you felt it. <laughs> I remember the steam would come off your uh, body, being and the fans would all be huddled up, and it was on yeah. an ice hockey rink, and there's just a few boards. With you couldn't the ring sweat. On it. It actually, <laughs> you couldn't break yeah, a sweat. I think, was, I think it was like 40 below outside. It was even colder inside. You know, there was no heat in yeah. the buildings. I know the building didn't have no heat either. <laughs> yeah. Quite often oh, they didn't God. have any hot, hot water or anything. But, uh, but you, but you know what? They drew crowds. They still drew crowds. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, uh, you know, 
a lot of today's guys think you're uh, bullshitting or ribbing them when you tell them stories like that. Of you know uh, <laughs> the way it was back then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some of the snowstorms, believe me, boy. <laughs> wow. Hey, Scott, uh, Kay and I want to send our love to you and Angela, and I hope she gets healed up and well soon. And, and thanks for coming on tonight and, and giving us a little perspective on uh, Dawn and, and uh, just give us sort of a on-the-way-out little story from us, please. Uh, story um, lost. Story of what? Oh, just something about Dawn and doing the book, some little something you gathered or got from doing the book? Well, uh, I guess the biggest thing would be, I guess Dawn is probably the first wrestler to ever write a book who can't read and write. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> he, he can't read and write. It's a, here, here's a good story for you. He was, over at the, he was over at the house one day, and I had a picture of him and, and Jim Dalton. As, as the Dalton, gang, as Dalton brother, and I said, Don, I'd like you to sign this picture for me. He said, okay, and he starts, just before he started writing, I said, no, no, I want you to sign it, Jack Dalton. I don't want you to sign it, Don Fargo. He says, okay, and he stopped and looked back at me. He says, how do you spell Dalton? No lie, that's the truth. <laughs> well, I, I, I still do that when I sign my book, you know, when I go to these book signings and stuff. <laughs> when I sign my book, I have to ask the person how to spell their name. <laughs> I just can't do it, and I, you know I, I I can't. I know the days and the months, but I don't know what order they're in. My dad always told me stuff like that don't matter, you know. Just like birthday, we never celebrate a birthday or nothing, you know. I'll <laughs> tell you why you're still so young, Don. Yeah, probably. And he told me too, don't hang around nobody old. <laughs> so I try to hang. I try to hang around young people all the time. Before I go. What? Before I go, I was just going to say, Bruce, I apologize. I haven't read your book yet. It's still available, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, straight from the heart, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I cover, yeah, I kind of covered a... Yeah, maybe get your address off the, off the air or something. I can maybe try to send you a copy or something. Oh, that'd be great. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, um, uh, Johnny has it if you need, but I'd be more than happy to buy a copy. i I just haven't gotten around to it. I read about two books a year because every chance I've got to, you know, where I can sit down and just relax and do something like that, I'm working on my own book. So I don't have a lot of chance to read, but I would like yeah. to add this file. So. Yeah, right, I'll, 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 I'll pass that address on to him, Scott. Yeah, what, are some the other, what are some of the other books you've got, uh, you've written, Scott, maybe uh, if you can mention them. Uh, I'm sure some of I've the written, listeners might uh, I've written books with Ole Anderson, J.J. Dillon, uh, Jody Hamilton, Ivan Koloff, uh, about one about Gordon Soley, Tony, uh, Tony Atlas, uh, Bill DeMott, uh, redid the Lou Fez book, uh, Stan Hansen, Jack Briscoe, wow. uh, Dean Burstone, Nikita Koloff, and uh, i got about six yeah, more. You everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you have a, do you, do you have a website or something, uh, Scott, that uh, <laughs> yeah, listeners can at, go to? Uh, yeah, at crowbarpress.com, and it has all my stuff there. And I was going to tell you, uh, Johnny, uh, if you'll send me Bruce's address, I'll send him a couple books uh, as as well. I've got yeah. I've got one that you'd enjoy. I did a uh, 
interview with your dad years ago, uh, and it's uh, like oh, yeah. a cover two issue. You may have seen it. It's called Whatever Happened to. And I, it was a pretty in-depth interview. I wish I could have done more, but it was really good. And uh, I'd love to send you a copy of those. If you yeah, know, I'd love to you know. see it. I know my, the, many of those names you mentioned started up here or uh, were up here early in their careers, including Old Holy, who was wrestling under the name of Rock Rogowski at that time. And, uh, and yeah. uh, uh, quite a few of those other names you mentioned, I remember... Uh, Seeing them up here early on in their uh, their careers, so uh, old Ivan Koloff and some of those guys, you know, they were all, uh, you know, uh, guys who kind of got their feet wet up here. So I'd, I'd love to, uh, you know, read some of their stories. And those are some sure. legendary guys. Even like old Lou, you know, I remember uh, sitting in the back back seat of the car, and my dad and Lou Fez would be. Uh, Commiserating and uh, fascinating to hear all the stories from uh, way back oh, yeah. in the 30s. You know the, uh, the screw jobs and the uh, you know the potato artists, swervers, yeah. and scripts <laughs> and the, all, all the stuff. You know, <laughs> your dad had great stories. Every time <laughs> I called him, he he just rattled one story off after another. I mean, they were so good. And every time I called, I, the last time I talked to him. I called him, and he started talking as soon as I said hello and told him who I was. And he talked for a half hour, and I never got a word in edgewise. And he says, wait a minute, that board doorbell ringing. So he, he put the phone down, and next thing I know, your your mother picks up, and she says, hello? And I said, hi, this is Scott Teal. She says, you poor thing. <laughs> Talk about it. <laughs> I'll never forget her. I'll never forget her saying that to me. You poor thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was always uh, cutting Stu off, you know. If Stu got on a roll, you know. And I remember yeah. back in those days, uh, a long distance call, you know, it was like costing you like $3 a minute or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Bless her heart. That was so funny. I'll never forget that. Wow. Uh, but thank you all for having me on. And uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I'll look forward to uh, reading those, and I'll, I'll get you a copy of the uh, Straight from the Heart, and, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll look forward to reading some of your stories. Those are some uh, legendary people you mentioned, you know, so uh, it should be fascinating right. to hear some of the uh you know, the straight uh, goods from some of those guys. Absolutely. Well, good deal. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you all very much. Thanks, Scott. Take care. I sure will. Thank you all. Bye, Johnny. Bye, Don. All right. right. Scott Steele, writer of Don's book. Uh, You heard so many others. That's Crowbar Press. You can get all the information on his books and uh, uh, go right on. I'm going to go to the phone lines. i got another caller calling in tonight to uh to uh say hello to don fargo and everybody this is ken jurgen lord zoltan how are you tonight good how you guys all doing up there great ken nice nice to hear from you and uh thanks for uh coming on yeah it's nice to finally make it on with you guys it's interesting you listen to all the stories on don there he's originally from pittsburgh that's where i'm from and he really never worked here much in Pittsburgh till he teamed up with Greg Valentine, and that's I always yeah, that, wondered that, why, that, why that he was left. A, that, that was that was the big thing when I was there with Greg. Yeah, why? why I, had did my, you never... I had my first match there 
I had my first match there when I first started wrestling in Pittsburgh, and then I never wrestled there again until me and Greg. But I, I wrestled uh, Allentown. Like, uh, you, you remember that? What, in the middle of the state? or Allentown. Uh, 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 they ran some shows there, and I was wrestling there, too. Okay, yeah, I just remember when you were here with Greg, you know, and I know yeah. that because I used to talk to your mother. You're originally, what, from Crafton, Carnegie area? He missed it, I, Ingram. Ingram, <laughs> okay. All right, yeah, yeah. We drove down from Buffalo, I mean, you know, great for that show. Yeah. Yeah, and you always had more success outside of the Pittsburgh area than you did, you know, right in here in Pittsburgh, you know. Yeah, with I all did, the different, yeah. different yeah, tag yeah. teams. I mean, you were successful in every tag team. You know, you did. You're yeah, the king of the tag teams. <laughs> Thank you. I had a lot of a lot of good tag partners, man. Who were some of your partners, Don? Uh, maybe some of the uh, I could fill oh, yeah. some uh, well, start off with. Start off with was Ray Stevens, and then uh, uh, it was Dickie Steinborn. And uh, oh yeah. Yeah, and then there was, uh, uh, of course, Greg, Jackie, uh, Jim Dalton. Oh, well, Jim Dalton. Listen, they call him Jim Dalton. <laughs> Jim, I don't remember his last name. His bag or something. Jim, and then there was uh, Chris Colt. And, of course, well, what, what, what happened to, you know, poor old Kenny Mack, he, he was one of my best. I lost him. And... Uh, and I went back to singles. Those are some legendary guys, you know. Like, uh, yeah, well, French, yeah, also the French Foreign Legion. That was uh, Jean Goulet. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were did the you, French Foreign how did, Legion. How did you hook up with uh, Greg Valentine? Did you know Johnny before that? or? Uh, no, I met him in, uh, I think it was uh, in Detroit, uh, I think this, the office told me to pick him up at a hotel or something. And I picked him up, and, uh, and that's how I got to know him. And then I went away for a while and come back, and and he was still doing stuff and not as good. So he, I made him my valet. We called him Babyface Nelson. And oh, yeah. My valet. Yeah, he was my valet. And, uh, and after that, we just decided to tag up and call ourselves the Fargo Brothers. And it it clicked. It really, it, it oh yeah, it clicked, boy. I'll tell you. Yeah, you guys were a good uh, good tandem up here. I know my dad, uh, you know, had very high regard for you. And then I sort of lost track of Greg for a while there, and would have been about eight years later or ten years later. He's with Beefcake, you know. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, Beefcake. Uh, you know, well, he got his. He got his, he, when me and him was in uh, Amarillo together. We were doing good, and he got a good break. He uh, uh, North Carolina. You know, his daddy got hurt, and they wanted somebody up there. And, uh, I think he went up and tagged up with Ric Flair. I think that's oh yeah, yeah. And Did, didn't you team with Hank James too down in uh, Amarillo? Or doing the, doing yeah, the tag yeah, team? yeah, Hank. Yeah, Hank James, yeah. Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, 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 that office there. You did a little bit of work tag team together. 
When were you in Amarillo, yeah. uh, Don? Was that like early seventies or? Yeah, that was. Uh, in the that was an 70s. interesting territory with Terry and uh, they had the Kozaks. Oh boy! And, uh, yeah, I had uh, Sweet Hanson and I, Epoch and. Uh, I, I had Dory. Uh, had Dory uh, had his uh, had his first master in Amarillo. I'd go down and work out with him and stuff and. And Terry was there. And Terry wasn't in the business. Yet. Terry, he, you know how he is. Wow, yeah. <laughs> he wants to get in the ring, boy. He was. He kept asking his dad, "I want to get in the ring. Let me do that. I can do that." You know. And he said, "No, no, no." But uh, you know, Terry, he's a he's a wild man, boy. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's funny because because uh, uh, Junior is mellow. Yeah. You know? And oh, yeah, pretty laid back. Hell, Terry will tear your, your freaking head off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like like one time, uh, Dory Funk came in here, uh, Junior came in here, the world's heavyweight champion down here in Pensacola, Mobile, and they booked me with him because I was under a mask as Mr. D because I got disqualified everywhere, and I put the mask on, and if anybody could unmask me, you know, I'd, I'd be thrown out of the territory, and that was that was the idea. And they told they told him to beat me, and he refused. He said, "I ain't gonna do that." He's, he's your main man. He said, uh, I'll, "I'll carry him for an hour." <laughs> he asked me if I could if I could wrestle an hour. I said, "Yeah," yeah. and that, that's what we did. He wrestled a whole hour, boy. I, you don't see that much anymore. No, and he, he used to uh, he used to be a master at that. You know, he to build it to a, like a climax, and people would be on the edge of their seats heading into the home stretch. You know, and you don't see anything oh, like know. that these days. And you know, he he was strictly wrestling. That's what I liked. Yeah, you never saw any like, gimmicks or very few high like spots. Like, yeah, I was scared of death one time. I was a young kid. Lou says I, they booked me with him in Oklahoma, and I oh man, I I didn't know what to do. Buddy Rogers, my, my my one of my best friends, he taught me everything I knew and gave me ring experience and education. And I asked, called and asked him. I said, well, what should I do? And Buddy gave me some advice. He said, he said, don't wear no fancy jackets. He said, just put a towel around your neck and go in there and, and don't try to show off. He said, you'll be all right. So he was right. Uh, Fizz, I didn't get slapped by Fizz. And, uh, and I looked, he made me look pretty good until he squashed me. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I, I liked it because them old timers were older than me. And I, I kind of respect them because when they were beating me, they... They would let me know. They would hurt me. Like if someone beat me with a leg scissor, you know, that a hold like that, I I knew it. I mean, they just wanted to show me that uh, that they were top dog. <laughs> I don't know if you oh, ever yeah. got that or not, but I I got it a lot. I guess I got it in account of my attitude. I had that Buddy Rogers, hey Polly, cocky attitude. You know, it rubbed off on me bad. <laughs> Well, the very fact that those guys, you know, even 
I worked with you uh, to feather in your hat because uh, I was told if they didn't like you or they didn't respect you, they'd uh, chew you up and spit you out and, and tell the promoter to book me with that. And a lot, you know, a lot of the boys, a lot of the boys in the dressing room knew what was going to happen. They'd all go out there and watch it. <laughs> oh yeah, they'd all have their uh, faces against the curtain, yeah. you know, peeking in. Yeah, yeah. See if you're getting going to get stretched yeah. in the ring tonight. Or yeah. I remember one time I got stretched so bad I was wearing them wrestling cowboy boots I had on, and, and I, boy, the guy he rode me and rode me and wouldn't let me up, but I was trying my best. And Tom Drake was a referee. You know, he's an old-timer. And he was telling me, get up out of here. He said, get up, do this, do that. I couldn't move out. Finally, I got to the ropes of call on it. Under the ring, and I had to puke, so I took my boot off and puked in my boot, boy. <laughs> 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 that's, that's how hard I got rode. <laughs> Yeah, there's not enough of that today. Uh, I think it'd probably be, uh, you know, good at keeping yeah. some of the uh, things in perspective. <laughs> you ain't kidding, because, uh, you know, <laughs> you're going to find out you ain't so tough and you ain't so bad, man. <laughs> uh, but I got to tell you, wrestling's been my whole since I've been in my whole life, and I, I still love it. Yeah, Which are some of your favorite territories to work, uh, Don? What were some of the places you had the most fun or you enjoyed it the most? Oh, uh, Australia for number one. When were you there. over there? Back, was that I was, when, uh, Curtis and Barnett. Martin were there? Barnett. Barnett. Barnett and, uh, and Lewin. Oh, yeah. Ken had, Curtis, was he there too? Huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mark. Yeah, Abdul was there. They had a pretty good run back there, I heard, you know. Uh, I know oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, Big Bad John was there. Oh, yeah, that was... Big Bad John, yeah. He, he had pretty, his arm. Yeah, wild uh, entourage, Big Bad John, uh, Black Jack Slade, maybe, yeah. and uh, Curtis yeah. and Mark and... Uh, a few others. I remember my dad had them up here for a stretch. <laughs> Every night, there blood all over the place, and uh, you know it was uh, you know <laughs> long before ECW and all the you know it was like extremism to the max with the the blood yeah. and the <laughs> all the other. I think Abby was up here at that time too. It was like uh, I think everyone had blades taped to their fingers. <laughs> Like it yeah. uh, you know, some kind of uh, one of those B-grade horror movies with uh, blood and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my other, my other favorite one was Houston, Texas, when we were there as the Dalton Brothers, the, Dal- the Dirty Dalton Gang. Uh, we did great there, and I loved it there. And what, and I the Roy, what time Roy period was that? Huh? What what uh, time periods were those? So uh, the Dalton brothers were in the uh, middle '60s. That was long before Fritz and them took over. Yeah, oh well, yeah, long that was, before. Uh, that yeah. Ed, Ed Macklemore and Morris Siegel and that bunch. Yeah, Morris Siegel and that bunch. Yeah, but Paul Bosch. Yeah, oh yeah, Houston. Who was the? Uh, who, what guys did you work with down there, Don, in those days? Uh. There was the Kozak brothers. There was Bull Curry. Remember him? Oh yeah, Bull the Curry. potato artist. Yeah. 
Yeah, Somebody told me I didn't know whether it was true or not that Roy screwed Alcoix or some shit like that. But yeah. Alcoix yeah. had been in there since the 40s or the. It was one of yeah, those I, old cronies of humanity. I went out to LA and worked. I went out to LA and worked for the Bell Brothers. I mean, the Bells. Remember them? Yep. Pete and Bell and them. There's a lot of shit going on there too with old uh, Mike LaBelle and uh, Hugh. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kel Eaton and all that shit from what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> I went out there and I wrestled as uh, <laughs> Fonzo Fargo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when the Fonz was hot in TV, but I called myself Fonzarella Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that one before. That was... Oh, no. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a good one. Was I was, I, I, I was, when I was working in Buffalo as uh as the Fargo brothers, uh, Abdul the Butcher, uh, the young kid that helped run the show, he he wanted me to be the Butcher's manager. So I <laughs> had to disguise myself. So I, I wrapped my face all up in wrappings, wore sunglasses like a mummy, I mean like an invisible man. <laughs> and I got a shoe built up where I was crippled, and I got one of the things you put in your throat. People have to talk to you know they are like that. It's just kind of oh, my yeah. voice. Yeah, and it got over it. <laughs> and I go back, change my clothes, and get cleaned up, and go on the main event as the Fargo Brothers. Nobody <laughs> ever found out. Well, they know now. <laughs> well, who was the who was Pedro in there at that time? Or uh, yeah, 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 Pedro yeah, Pedro. Martinez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we we, we like to drove him crazy. Ernie Ladd was there then, and uh, that that was a pretty good uh, territory. I heard back in back oh, in the sixties, yeah. you know, with uh, I think Fritz was in there for a stretch, and uh, before yeah. he ever went to back to Dallas, and uh, yeah, a lot of big names came in and out of there. Johnny Morant, and uh, I'm trying to remember. They made him. They made me and Johnny, they made me and Johnny the, the tag team champions there. And, and we we wrestled uh, Bruno and uh, Dominic Danucci a lot in Pittsburgh. Because that's where they yeah, were that, That's about as good as it gets in Pittsburgh. Those are sort of legendary guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did did you ever work uh, the WWF back in the day or with Vince Sr. or any of that? Or? Uh, you mean the old man or the kid? Oh, uh, The old man, did you work? Uh, WWF oh, yeah. back in the uh, in the seventies, sixties, seventies. Yeah, that's me and Jackie, me, Jackie, uh, Argentino Rocco, and Manuel Perez. That's when we sold the garden out in nineteen fifty-six. I think it was. Yeah. Well, that's uh, you must run into that other old uh, legendary uh, <laughs> character, Doctor Jerry Graham. <laughs> See there. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, uh, we had Bobby Davis with us, and uh make a long story short, uh, Jackie, uh, when I went out of town, Jackie fired him. And uh, I taught Bobby. Buddy Rogers helped teach him, and I taught him. He was smart. He, he, yeah. he, just, went, he just went and got uh, the good Dr. Jerry and Eddie Graham and brought them into New York to take our place, and they got rid of us. <laughs> and I just said, Jackie, was <laughs> I said, Jackie, that was a big screw-up. Where were you going to go now? He said, well, we'll head to Tennessee. I said, where the heck is Nashville? I didn't know nothing about it. 
<clears throat> he took me from a great city down to the to the Hoop Magluk Woods, but I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? My first, uh, he became sort of legendary uh and like Jackie Fargo was uh there for years. Like uh there it must have been Nick Goulis and Roy Welch in that bunch. Oh my gosh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, boy. <laughs> That, uh, <laughs> you just mentioned Nick Bull and everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was sort of uh, <laughs> legendary for all the wrong reasons from what I heard. You well, know, yeah, I, yeah, he sure was, brother. Everyone was talking he, about him. He got, me in, he, he, he got me in a lot of trouble. I don't want to talk about it because it's in my book, but he, he got me in a mess. <clears throat> I, and I found out it was him that did it. <laughs> yeah, I never, I never heard too many guys ever speaking in glowing terms of of Nick Coolis for whatever reason. I don't recall him saying, "Well, know, right? a great you, guy you, here," you know. Yeah, you just mentioned his name, and you're going to get. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the other guy. I didn't hear as much bad about old Roy Welch, whether he was, just, you know, he seemed to be the uh, patriarch of a bunch. Yeah, of well, he was the. He, he was the good cop, and the other one was the bad one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never yeah. heard anything good about Nick. You know, always, and his kid I never heard much good about either, you know, Daddy <laughs> says go down or whatever. <laughs> and uh, they, they they had their crew of shooters down there, too, you know, just in case. <laughs> hey, I, I hear you say all these Tennessee names. How about Lynn Rossi? Don, did you work? Oh Lynn? God, yeah, Len Rossi. Not Len Rossi. See, me and Jackie come in. We come down into from New York. Nick uh, kept us off of TV. Uh, I mean, put us on TV first, you know. And, uh, and for a while, we didn't work the house shows. Just put us on TV. And then he asked asked us, "Do we know anybody that, could, that we could get that was a good wrestler to do all kind of stuff?" And we we we. We knew Len from New York, so we got Len Rossi, and they brought Len Rossi in, and uh, they brought him in, and uh, he didn't even have a suit to wear on TV. You know, he had to wear, he had to dress up back then. And uh, I gave him, Buddy Rogers gave me a pink suit, <laughs> and I gave it to him to wear on TV. He wore it, and we Jackie was in the middle of the ring bragging and talking and all that stuff and he come running through the building and with that suit on and jumped over the top ropes and drop kicked Jackie, drop kicked me, <laughs> drop kicked us to death. We went out of the ring and bingo, Len Rossi was over. Over wow. like a champ. Yeah. He he was like, uh, a long had a long run in there. Yeah, he he's still there. He's uh He's got a health food store. Uh, he runs like health food, and uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's as old as I am, and uh, <clears throat> no, he's a little younger than me, but he he looks good. He takes care of himself. I seen him a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember hearing for years. That was a legendary, uh, one of the top faces in the business back from sixties, seventies, eighties, whatever. You know, yeah. yeah. A lot of them just stayed there. And, and, Faded away and got jobs and stuff like that, you know. They had, the, you know, the Green Allen, Don Green was there, the Von Bronners, the Saul Weinberg. And, yeah. and, I, and I guess Ken Lucas, I guess you had many bouts with Ken Lucas there. 
Oh my gosh, yes, Ken. Yeah. Oh man. God bless his heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Him and uh, uh, there was the uh, Corsican brothers. Yeah. They they were big there. And then of course a lot of old timers out of the forties and that. Uh, they had some bars, you know. They 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 owned bars, you know. That's <laughs> the first thing a wrestler he quits does he gets a bar. <laughs> wow. Was Lawler uh, ever around there back then? Was he just breaking in, or was that before his era? Man, no, he, he wrestled up in New York. He wrestled in New York when we was up there, but he, he didn't wrestle the Garden that night. Jerry Jarrett, or was he in there back in those days, or was that before his stretch? Who, who's that? Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett, Jer, he... Uh, Jeff Jarrett's dead. He, he, he was just a kid then. <laughs> uh, uh, his mother worked in the office. Wow. For Nick, yeah. Hey, Ken, are you still there, man? Are you just... Sitting back, listening to this like I am. Yeah, I'm just enjoying all this, the old history here. You don't, <laughs> don't, don't, hear, you don't hear, you don't hear anything like this anymore. I mean, nobody has the stories. There's no <laughs> nothing, nothing current is interesting anymore. It's everything yeah. from years ago, you know, that's interesting. Well, that's yeah, like what I try to put in my. That's what I try to put in my book. All very interesting, unusual things that people would not believe it actually happened, you know, really crazy. Well, you know, and I, and I, and I threw the question at Scott Till earlier and, you know, and I, and I really don't mean it as a question. I guess I mean it more as a, a statement about the times, you know, the, the, the times yeah. of this wrestling business being, you know, uh, uh, two or 3000 miles a week on the road and traveling from oh, town cool. to town and, and healing hotel rooms and, and, uh, uh, you know, having baloney blowouts for real and those kind of things have sort of ended. And, and as Bruce and I have said, we sort of feel like those times has really been part of the progression of changing the business because the young guys that want to get started today don't get the opportunities to travel and to talk and to be ribbed and to be part of a rib and then try to rib somebody back. They don't get the full education of the wrestling business as, you know, we did coming in. And, again, I, I know I was at the tail end of it in the late 70s, and but uh, you still got that. I mean, myself traveling with Peter Maivia or, or, or uh, Killer Carl Cox or, you know, the different guys that I got to travel with on the road that were the rib guys that were the – but they were the main event, but they were at the end of their careers. They were – passing that knowledge on and i just think that today one of the things and and again bruce and i talk about this all the time but one of the things that separates today from 30 years ago are those lessons that we learned maybe not in the ring but being scolded by a vet because the match we had that night wasn't up to par or, or being talked to about our interview that we weren't prepared for and how to prepare for and how to do it properly those things were all lessons that we learned along the way and and I think a lot of the guys today don't get that anymore. I know Don's trying oh. to do it down there, and I know Bruce is doing it through his school.
school there, and, and I know Kay and I try to do it here with our little clinics and stuff for the guys to come up and try to learn the business that old way, that, that I don't know if you want to call it respectful, if you want to call it knowledgeable, whatever you want to use that adjective there to describe that, just pass this business on the way it was meant to be passed on, because I don't think it's being passed on anymore in a well, way to you know, treat it right. These kids don't have respect for it because they come to the matches in T-shirts, old Levi's, torn knee knees, and walk through the front door and people see them. And then they mingle with the people. In other words, they look like they're part of the crowd. Yeah. And I tell them that in the dressing room, you know, when I see them, when I go to these shows, I say, hey, you guys ought to buy a ticket and sit out there with him because you guys don't look like wrestlers to me. And I tell them that, man, I don't care because it's my business, you're hurting, you know. And still, I, 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 I get so mad about it. <laughs> You have people running the shows that never worked in the business. Yeah, that's the ones it. That's that it. Kind of be the promoters now, and how can they give advice when they've never experienced anything? You, 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 you know what I say. To, you know, you know what I say to people all the time when they say that, Ken, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, is the fact that I tell these young guys today: if you're the smartest guy in the dressing room, if you're the smartest guy to this business in the dressing room you're in the wrong dressing room because you need to be in a room, a dressing room with guys that are all smarter than you are so you can learn. If you're the smartest guy there and you've only <laughs> had 20 matches in your career, you're in the wrong place for you to get any better in this business because there's nobody there that can help you. And I don't, and I don't mean that to be tacky. It just it, no, it's you're telling the truth. Because because if you're not in a dressing room, there's guys there that have years of knowledge to help you get better, improve, whether it's just the littlest thing, you know, and and, and there's a lot of great kids out there. I, I, I'm not taking anything away from the kids of today. There's a lot of great kids out there that have a passion and a real desire to be in this business. But they're just, there's a few things they're not doing right that would make a complete difference in their work yet they're not putting themselves in those positions to get that knowledge. And, and it's a dirty shame because that's really what's missing. Again, Bruce and I talk about it all the time, but that's what's missing today is that little bit of that passed-on knowledge that the guys aren't getting today, I think. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think WWE or whatever, that they need to be uh, spending more time uh, endeavoring to instill that in there. And they're not, you know, they're... Uh, they're taking whoever they're breaking in, you know, they should actually send those guys out on the road. Like back in the day, uh, I remember Vern or Crockett or guys would send guys up to my dad to break in and uh, they'd go back a year or two later and they'd be a finished product. But they got these guys that they're maybe breaking in down in like Dusty's school or some bullshit like that. But, uh, there's not any uh, transition period where they get sent to a territory for a year or two and do the road trips and, uh, you know, work heel and work face and do jobs and put in time and do all that stuff. And then they, they'd be ready to go to WWE. They got all these guys that, uh, you know, uh, muscle heads or whatever else. And they, they bring them in and, push them a bit and after a while you know the 
becomes pretty obvious they don't know how to work and then they just sort of let them go but there's not any real place where you uh learn the business and and learn to respect the business and uh you know pick the brains of the the veterans and ride around on the road trips which is where he used to learn a lot of stuff on the road but there's no places for that and uh that's one reason why uh, you I see all the time WWE bringing these guys in and they go to give them a big push and then uh, a few months later they've disappeared or dropped out of sight, you know, and uh, it's not their fault either, you know, they're, you know, it's like taking a football player who, you know, gets all the big hype but has never actually played any ball and then, you know, and then when they uh, aren't the superstars that they've been made out to, then they make out like it's their fault and, yeah. Well, you know yeah. what? I I made a trip one time. I was going to sell my book. I went to Georgia, and, and I went with these two guys. There was three of them, and I had to set up front, of course. And on the way back, man, it was completely boring, getting on my nerves, you know. So they, they were sleeping, and, and the other guy who was driving was yawning. And so I just I just pulled a Fargo, man. I <laughs> I I wound the window down, opened the door, and leaned over the window and door and swung the door open where I was outside just flying in the air like like to freak them out, man. He almost threw me off by hitting the brakes and, and slowing down to stop. And uh, they told the guy they don't want to drive him. They don't want to haul me no more. <laughs> but they were lucky because I didn't take my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, I, guys, told, I, I told. <laughs> I told. I told. I said, "You guys, you don't know it, but uh, I can climb on top of this car, and you go as fast as you want to, and I'll get up there, and I won't have no clothes on, and you really embarrass you." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I got to sneak in. We got about twenty-five minutes left in the show, and I got okay. I have one more gentleman that wants to come on tonight with us before we uh, start saying our goodbyes. And I, I know he's. Uh, been listening a while. Bob Brooks, you're on with uh, Don Fargo oh. and Bruce Hart. How are you? All right. How's everybody doing tonight? Hey, hey Bob. How are you? Have you on? Yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, calling in. Uh, uh, Not a problem, Bruce. Got... You know, I got I got to say hello to a quick hello out there to Lord Zoltan. You know, we uh, we go back a long way, and of course over at uh, CAC. <laughs> so uh, always good. Yeah, to hear we don't see each other as much as we should. That's that's right. You know, we're we're not that far away. I guess about a thousand miles, but uh, sometimes it just seems like uh, we're at the other end of the universe, you know. But we'll we'll go get get together over at the CAC. Oh yeah, good times, honor. Uh, oh man, yeah, and I'll tell you. Well, you know, uh, uh, Don. You know, Bruce and I were talking earlier today, and I said, you know, I've I've got to hit him up about the uh, the Dick the Bruiser days, and uh, you know. Uh, wrestling, you know, Yukon Moose Cholak and guys like that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't want to try to put you on a spot or anything, but, I mean, how did, how did you feel that the wrestling compared, you know, working for Dick the Bruiser, uh, you know, in, 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 out of Indianapolis and, you know, the Chicago area? Because I know, you know, in Chicago you went back to the 60s, um, you know, against Bruiser and Crusher but and, and, uh, and Moose Cholak, and then, of course, later on with uh, Rene Goulet, uh, you know, as private Don Fargo. Yeah. But um, you know, how, how did how did you how did you uh, feel about the, those days? I mean, as far as compared to like like Bruce is talking about, you know, the East Coast and so forth. 
Working for Dick was great because I'm the type of guy I'll do anything Dick would tell me to do, and he liked that. But Wilbur Snyder, he didn't care for us. That's when we was a chain guy. He he just didn't care for us. But Bruiser, he loved us because we would do anything, and he liked that. You know, um, Dick was wild. You know how wild he was, boy. Yeah. And uh, and we had such a great tag team, and uh, it, it was great wrestling. There really was. But Wilbur was always on our case. Well, you know, I mean, I think everything was put together well here. I mean, you know, when you when you look at uh, the announcers, I mean, like uh, going back to Sam Meneker, uh, yeah, you know, and uh, some of the great referees. Matter of fact, Dick the Bruiser's uh, son-in-law, Scott Romer, and I, uh, we talk about that all the time. Connie Marker, Johnny Shorn, you know, uh, some of the great referees out of out of Indianapolis, uh, Mike Figueroa out of Chicago, and yeah. You know, they had uh, to. Yeah, when you put it all together, I mean, it was just, it, you know, I mean, things just fell into place. It wasn't, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I promoted in the late 80s uh, afterward, you know, the the, the post-Bob Luce, you know, kind of era. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bob Luce, I mean, was a great television promoter. And, uh, you know, like I say, you know, you put him and Sam Meneker and you got guys like yourself and, uh, you know, Dick the Bruiser. I mean, how, do you, how can you go wrong, you know? I know Bob Luce was good, boy. He was yeah, really, he, yeah. he could write some stories and he could really talk. And, yeah, uh, that's yeah, when Bobby yeah. Heenan was there. Bobby Heenan, mm-hmm. right? But Bobby Bobby Heenan was uh, uh, a manager, like you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he did a lot of stuff for the Bruiser. You know, he he was uh, Bruiser's hang around, I'd say. You know, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of a lot of work outside outside of wrestling. Yeah. For day. Yeah, I know he did. He Paul, cut his grass. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul Christie and I always talked about that. You know, yeah, uh, matter of fact, cut well, his I, grass, wash his car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably be talking to Paul Christie here tomorrow or next next couple of days here, and I'll uh, I'll let him know you said hello too. By the way. Oh, okay. Oh, you Paul? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's up in uh, living up in Michigan now. Uh, how's how's he feeling? Uh, you know what, his health hasn't been the greatest, um, over the last couple of years. Um, but, uh, I talked to him about two weeks ago and, uh, he, he, over the phone, he sounded really, you know, a a lot better. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, but, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's had a a little, little rough go there for a while, but he, uh, he goes over to, uh, Alicia's house, uh, there every year, makes the, uh, the charity event. And, um, you know, of course he was, uh, Inducted into the Hall of Fame and well, you know, CAC and uh, things yeah. like that. I mean, you know, uh, Don, do you remember? Uh, since I got you on the phone here, uh, when they had the Hall of Fame at the Amphitheater in Chicago, and they used to go over to the stockyard in next door. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was you know the the the, the 60s and you know early 70s. Blackjack Mulligan and I talk about. That and I know he always enjoyed the, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame, and then going over to the, uh, you know, the stockyard in there, and you could have dinner. You yeah, know, I know. Yeah, 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 the stockyard. Yeah, remember? Yeah, they'd have guys. Well, you know, they'd always have guys like Moose Cholak up there and Wilbur, and yeah, you know, yeah. So it was, uh, Christy was up there a lot, and so. 
But uh, yeah, it was, it was a good good time, good good here in Chicago. Uh, I think I think wrestling. You know, I know a lot of places say they're the wrestling capital of the world, but you know, when you go back to the Rain, Rainbow Arena and the the you know oh yeah days, yeah you know yeah Marigold. yeah we yeah me and Jackie wrestled the Rainbow Arena and uh, 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 what name is the name of the guy uh, the guy ran Australia uh, Barnett. Yeah, Barnett. He was uh, he was the program guy. He made programs and stuff like that when he was there in that office. When did Kohler yeah. kind of drop out of that? Or he was there in the fifties and early sixties, wasn't he, Fred Kohler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He when started did, to pull uh, out was a end. When did Vern well, get I, his hands on Chicago, or when did he kind of take over there? The what? When did Vern Gagne kind of get his uh, get involved in the Chicago operation? Or? Well, I, I, me and Jackie were there in '58, I think it was. Kohler was and, still there then. Yeah, yeah, Kohler was there. Vern Gagne was wrestling there, and so was Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder. They were all wrestling there. Uh, uh, a lot and of big Schmidt names. Some of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, Schmidt was there. All of them were there. Uh, that was a big thing, you know. Uh, uh, McMahon was like one of the first one. He the ain't the first, first guy that did this. That was national wide hookup. Yeah, that's what my dad told me. That was Kohler was like one of the heavyweights at that time, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you got to work for him, uh, he was he, he was on getting on top fast. Because you you just didn't work in one little territory, you went all over, you know. But they would they would send me and Jackie the, the plane tickets from from Nashville to Chicago. They sent us the plane tickets. Back in them days, you could cast the plane tickets in. Well, we would cast the plane tickets in, get in the Cadillac, get our beer and whatever else we needed, and bingo, we'd take off for Chicago. <laughs> And keep the money. <laughs> hey, oh, well. hey, hey, guys, we 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 have just got so close. We're we're about a twelve, thirteen minutes out of the end of this show. Okay, I'm, man. I'm going to start letting yeah. everybody get out of here one person at a time. Bob, uh, let's say our final goodbyes, and we'll say goodnight to you tonight. Hey, thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. And uh, uh, Don, just a real pleasure to, to hear your voice again. And uh, you bet. Uh, you know, we'll uh, hopefully see everybody at uh, out at CAC. Lord Zoltan, we'll see you soon. Okay, Bob. Okay, Bruce, good night, Bob. Care. Yeah, night, thanks guys. very much, Bob. I'll uh, look forward to having you on again soon. And all the best. All right, Lord Zoltan. Let's let's get you get our final good nights in here tonight, buddy. Yeah, nice talking with you guys. May I come back sometime? We talk about the Hall of Fame up in Amsterdam, New York, and oh yeah, yeah, things around yeah. Pittsburgh, and it was just so interesting hearing everything you know, on Don. I'm, it, I got his book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but you know, I want to get right into it because he's always one of my favorites here in Pittsburgh. And I just wish he was uh, here a lot, you know, more than he, you know, when he was in his early career. Yo, well, I appreciate that. I look forward to, I'll get a hold of you, uh, Ken or Lord, I don't know what you call it. But, yeah, I'd like to, uh, 
you know, give my give my best to Bruno and uh, Dom Danucci, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, having some of those Pittsburgh guys on. And uh, do you ever see Bill Eady down there? Is he still in that part of the country? Uh, he's living down in Georgia, but he's still is he's originally from like south of Pittsburgh here, so he still yeah, has some. Yeah, is that other is that Newton Tatry still around or is I uh, he, he passed away a few years back. Yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, pretty uh, prominent guys from Pittsburgh uh, that kind of uh, seemed to be a hotbed for a while there. So, but yeah, I'll uh, I'll be in touch and uh, I'll look forward to talking to you. Right, you guys time. have a nice Thanksgiving there too. All right, you too. Oh yeah, you too, man. Good talk to you. Hey guys, All thank you. Good night. All right, Lord Zoltan, Ken Jurgen, what a great guy! I've had an opportunity to be with him and and visit with him up in Amsterdam in New York at the Hall of Fame and and uh, yes, definitely Bruce will have him back on and we'll get to talk about that here in the very near future. Uh, uh, Bruce, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the floor over to Don Fargo, the again the Hall of Famer, the legend. Uh, I was honored to meet him as an 18 year old kid and. Then to get to see him again a year ago at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame when he was so deservedly inducted into the Hall of Fame with Jackie and and Don, uh, uh, we're ten minutes from the end of the show, so we'd sure like for you, you to make make some final comments tonight and a couple little plugs for your book and and thank you so much for being on with us. All right, thank you. I just want to say I want to thank everybody and appreciate very much for being voted in to the Hall of Fame, it's, uh, I always thought, as a matter of fact, I told Scott Teal, I said, uh, don't put my book out until I get my ring. <laughs> I said, they, might, they might change their mind. <laughs> and uh, so we did. But <laughs> And uh, man, I just, I just loved it up there, to get to see everybody. And, and, uh, the Hall of Fame really blew my mind. I, I could spend all day there just looking at everything and uh, I appreciate everything everybody's done for me. And I wouldn't have, you know, been and did everything I did if I didn't have the guys that I had to put me there, you know. They did the job for me, and they made me pretty damn good, too, you know. It takes more than just one guy. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, to your credit, Don, you, you, you did a lot for a lot of guys, you know, I you know, including Valentine and all that. I've heard so yeah, many guys, yeah. you know. And I want to say one thing. I want to say one more thing. Is I was sure glad to see you there in New York. I mean, that was a big thing to me because your dad really meant a lot to me. And I, I see you and just everything come back. <laughs> and I, I love that, man. <laughs> and I got that picture. I got that picture. Remember the picture me and you took hooking up? Yeah, I, yeah, I got that, and I blew up real big. It's me and you hooking up there, man. Hey, well, Don, <laughs> uh, I know you're you're painting your next uh, character with. Uh, you told me the other day you're working on a character with Butcher Vachon. Yeah. I I know mine hangs yeah. proudly in my house, and all my friends come over. They they love the me and the horse and and all the injuries and and again it, to me it's a. <laughs> To me, it's an honor to be on the air, to be with you in person, because you are one of the living legends of this business. Uh, oh, uh, and you, you came much. from you came from a golden era, which was 
the tough time to be in this business, and you survived it and made it, and, and you're part of the history. And all these young guys that have the opportunity to be around you at some of these independent shows, if they don't take advantage of that time of being around you to gain what knowledge they can, they can. Shame on them for not getting that opportunity. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man. And I just want to say God bless all you guys, and uh, and I hope to see you again. And uh, I'm hoping to go to Vegas uh, next year. I want to go there real bad. Uh, 50th anniversary. I guess you all know that. Yeah, I'm, I may. If, if you're coming, if you guys are Texas, heading down, down there, I may even. Huh? I, yeah, I, I said, Donna, if you if you're heading, if you're going to drive out to to Vegas, and you got to come through Texas. You got a place to stay at my house, my friend. Oh man, I appreciate that a lot, brother. Thank you very much. And, and uh, I keep wanting to say stew. <laughs> I'll just say heart. <laughs> it's been good talking to you, brother. And yeah. I wish you all a good Thanksgiving and a Merry Christmas. Yeah, and uh, thanks for the memories, Don. I uh, I, I hope I can make it down to CAC and. Uh, That'd be a great uh, visit with you and uh, catch up. We just scratched the surface tonight. Yeah, you know, and, I uh, sure love that. I sure love that. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving, Don. Our... Have a great night. Okay. All right. You all the best. guys. Yeah, all, all the best, best, my friend. All right. Bruce, we've done it again. We're five minutes out from the end. I guess uh, a little perspective on the night. I mean, uh, uh Don Fargo, I mean, there's just not much you can say when you say his name. You just, you already know the the stories and the legends. And, and of course, you know, like you said, all these great buildings that he sold out around the country, whether he was working as the Dalton Gang or the Fargo or whatever, however he was working, he was part of a lot of big nights in this business. And with those names he threw out tonight, did it oh, yeah, make you started, think some of the stories like your dad would tell you, all those names he was throwing out? Oh, yeah, you start talking about Ray Stevens and Dickie Steinborn and uh, Chris Colt and Johnny Valentine and Jackie Fargo and all that bunch. You know, that's, that's some legends in, in our business. You know, that's like a who's who list. So, uh, you know, and, uh, he sort of transcended the... Uh, you know, from the 50s to the present, and you're talking about over 60 years, you know, and uh, still uh, not that many guys around, unfortunately, that uh, span that uh, length of time and are still sound of mind and, you know, can still, you know, kind of give you some perspective and some uh, kind of interesting stories and stuff about all that, you know, so... I'm hoping the listeners out there maybe uh, comprehend, uh, you know, uh, what his contribution to our business has been, you know, because he's been a, a legend. There's not too many guys that span that generation from Buddy Rogers to the present and Vince Sr. and Vince Jr. and Goulas and Welch and Barnett and Shires and, you know, Morris Siegel and Ed McLemore and Dory Sr. and Dory Jr. and Terry Funk and all like that, you know. So, had, had Dory had Dory Jr.'s first match. I mean, wow. I mean, yeah. There's just, not too uh, many, uh, you know. You know, anyone who's been around the business and knows 
the caliber of those guys. Those are like among the greatest workers ever, you know, the Dory Juniors and the Stevens and the Terrys and the, all those guys, you know, the Buddy Rogerses and, you know, Dr. Jerry Graham and Argentina Rock. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, very few guys I would venture to say that, you know, you know, uh, the common denomination between all of those guys, you know. So, you know, I'd love to have uh, Don on again. You know, he sounded pretty sound of mind. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I think we just scratched the surface with him tonight, so. Oh, yeah, we didn't. We really didn't get started on many stories. I mean, we just got him to, you know, bits and pieces. But that's a good uh, promotion for his book, for people to go out and get his book and read the complete story on him. And, and again, uh, a, a gentleman. I mean, I, you know, you and I always seem like at the end of our shows, when I'm on here with you, we always go back to the same thing and we talk about the caliber or the quality of people that came out of that sort of generation of guys and the ability that they had to pass or to hand that torch off to the next generation and 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 I'm wondering now if that torch is just going to fall to the ground and burn the forest up or is there going to be some kind of change within the system so that I think there needs to torch be, it's gonna, be I think they need to uh like you and I keep saying Somehow, and I'm not sure if it's possible, you need to uh, reconstitute uh, the business to where you got guys like Don Fargo and or Harley Races and Terry Funks and and Rick Flairs and these Johnny Valentines and Buddy Rogers is you know these characters you keep hearing us talking about because uh, you don't like to be putting anybody down, but there's not that uh, many guys of that caliber, you know, uh, that personality, that charisma, that respect for the business, and that kind of, you know, all those intangibles that there's not too many guys like that in the business today. And uh, they need to uh, somehow or other uh, bring more of them in if the business is going to uh, sustain itself or you know, perpetuate itself to the next generation. I've been saying that for years, you know, you, at some point you got to kind of uh, re-examine what it is and see what you can do to uh, restore some of those things. Yeah. Man, we're about a minute left in the show. I'm going to I'm gonna get my little two cents worth in. I, I'm going to say, much like I did earlier, if you're listening to this show and you're a young guy or young girl in this business and, and you don't take something from Don, uh, you, you're missing out. Because tonight he mentioned Dickie Steinborn, and I'll never forget, as a junior high kid in Florida, I went down to spend the summer with my brother Ken. I met Dickie Steinborn, and he walked me to the front of the building, and he pointed up to the marquee, and he said, see up there, kid, where it says wrestling? If we don't do some, they're not going to come back. And I think that's needed today. Bruce, that's my perspective of the night. You say your God, goodbyes, buddy, and we're out of here. God yeah. bless everybody. Thank you for listening to Heartbeat Radio. Thanks, Johnny, and I'll look forward to uh, next week. Uh, have another great show next week. So I'll look forward to it, and thanks to everybody for coming on board. All the best, and God bless. God bless, Bruce. Good night, everybody.